Let me just say what an honor it is to be here tonight. Anybody excited to be here tonight? Come on. Yes. We're here. We're together. Man, we're putting first things first. Amen. Man, I can't think of a better place to be right now than in church, crying out to God, praying, saying, God, would you revive us? Would you revive us? Man, I'm so thankful for Pastor Robert. I'm so thankful for this family, for this church. I'm on the road right now on a nationwide tour, uh, actually with a daughter of this church. I'm out with Carrie Job and Cody Carnes, and we're going all over the country. We had about uh, 30,000 young people this weekend come out at different events. We were in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, Charleston, West Virginia. And we had over 4,000 young people respond to the gospel this weekend. Is anybody excited about that? I think that's good news. That's not fake news, that's good news. Now, I want to tell you, in the 1970s, there was a, a movement, kind of an uprising going on. And a lot of people felt like it was the end of Christianity as we know it. It was the time of drug, sex, and rock and roll. And yet in the midst of that age, in the midst of that era, there was kind of an undercurrent of hope. Light was breaking into the darkness. And a lot of these hippies started to get saved. They called themselves the Jesus People Movement. Any Jesus people in the house tonight? All right, I see you, you look groovy. It's good, man. And these Jesus people started getting saved left and right. In fact, there's stories of people coming home from work on the West Coast where this whole thing was kind of really exploding. But people would come home from work and in their backyard where there was a swimming pool, a bunch of hippies would be in there swimming. And they would say, what is going on? They were about to call the cops, but they didn't. They said, what are you doing? And they said, you know what, man, we just got saved and God's moving in our lives. We read in our Bibles, we should get baptized. We saw you had a pool. So we thought, come on. Now in the 1970s, the largest gathering of the Jesus people movement happened right here in Dallas, Fort Worth. In 1972, Two giants of the past era, Billy Graham and Bill Bright, the two big bills, as I like to call them, they came together and said, man, neither of us are big enough to do it alone, but what if we rallied the church in America to come behind the next generation? And so they booked out the Cotton Bowl and 100,000 young people gathered to be trained and equipped to reach a nation for Jesus. Now, some of those young people, they came all the way from North Dakota. Now, you know God is moving in Texas when people from North Dakota come. Now, I got to tell you that because I'm from North Dakota. I know it's a common vacation spot for y'all, so I want you to try to pay attention right now, okay? Now, North Dakota is a rural state, 600,000 people in our entire state. But you see, this call for revival in a Jesus people movement was so loud and so compelling that there was a Bible camp director in Western North Dakota that got all fired up and he said, I got this beat up old Bible camp bus and I'm gonna go around and flyer every country church I can find and I'm gonna convince moms and dads to let their kids come with me to Dallas, Texas to be a part of this revival. These young people came to Texas, but let me tell you, the biggest thing that happened during that gathering was not what happened at the gathering, it was what happened after the gathering. 
Just as I would say the greatest thing that's happening at the first conference is not the first conference, it's what's gonna happen after the first conference. You see, some of those young people, they went back to North Dakota on fire for Jesus. They said, man, we're gonna take the gospel to our schools. We're gonna take the gospel to our workplaces. We are gonna shake North Dakota with the gospel. Some of these students were from University of North Dakota. They said, we're gonna plan something big. We're gonna be bold. We're gonna go for it. They said, we're gonna book out the biggest venue on campus. Fits about 2,000 people. It'd be like Jerry World in North Dakota. They booked this thing and they said, we're gonna bring in the best speaker we know. Our favorite speaker from Expo 72, a guy by the name of Josh McDowell. They booked it out, Josh came, they saturated the campus, they invited everybody, the venue was packed and God moved. Students came forward, lives were changed. Why that story is so meaningful to me is because my dad came to that event. Not Expo 72, no, he was out drinking. But as a result of what happened there that came back home to North Dakota, my dad walked forward, surrendered his life to Christ, and my family has forever been changed as a result. Now I'm here tonight because we need a fresh movement of God in our day. We need a fresh outpouring of boldness in our day. Pastor Robert mentioned together 2016, we got a picture, hundreds of thousands of young people came on the National Mall. Now let me just tell you real quick, the authorities, they did not believe young people were gonna come. You know why? Because they didn't believe that there's young people in America that love Jesus and wanna follow Jesus. Not only that, but they didn't believe they were gonna come because the hotel rooms weren't booked and the airplanes weren't booked. And we said, listen, you don't quite understand young people. <laughs> They're not coming by plane and they're certainly not booking one of your $300 hotel rooms. If they are in a hotel room, there's 16 of them staying in that room. But most of them are coming by Honda Civic and they're gonna be sleeping all night on that National Mall. But let me tell you, they set an infrastructure for 100,000 people on the National Mall. They fenced it in completely, gave us only two entrances. Man, it was set up to fail from the beginning. They were like, there's no hope for this generation. But you know what happened? When we opened the gates at 9 a.m., over 100,000 young people poured in right away. Their infrastructure was blown at 9 a.m. They said, we don't know what to do. We better open up more gates. Now, by the time it got to be two, three, four, hundreds of thousands had come and they actually shut it down. They shut it down like five hours early. Now they said it was because of the heat, but man, it was five degrees above average in Washington, DC. Now, young people have this thing, man, we always say as young people, if the cops come and shut down your party, that's a good party. <laughs> so I like to tell everybody that the young people in America know how to throw a good Jesus party. And man, this party is just getting going. It's just getting going. Now tonight I wanna to talk about boldness. We're gonna look at Luke chapter 11 and then we're gonna end at Mark chapter two. I wanna pray and then we're gonna get into God's word. Are you ready? Because man, this is a living word tonight. Is anybody ready for the living word tonight? Every night I stand up in these arenas and I tell these young people, man, if you open this book, your life will not be the same. 
You show me a person with a broken down Bible, I will show you a person that does not have a broken down life. I say, man, don't say God's not speaking to me with your Bible closed. If you wanna hear God's voice, open your Bible and read out loud. Let's pray. God, would you speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit and would you embolden us to move? Because God, we know that faith without works is dead. And so God, we pray that tonight would be a night of action. It would be a night of conviction. It would be a night of change, that we would not stay the same. But as the Apostle Paul said, that we would be compelled by your love and sent out, God, with the spirit of urgency. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Luke chapter 11, I'm going to read it. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, would you teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples? So Jesus said, all right, I'll teach you to pray. He said, when you pray, pray like this. Say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them as he continued this teaching on prayer. He said, suppose one of you has a friend. He goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is locked. My kids are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Jesus said, I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, say boldness, because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, Jesus says, ask, say ask. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, say seek. Seek and you will find. Knock, say knock. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. Jesus teaching on prayer. Now, we were students up in North Dakota about 10 years ago, and we kind of had this urgency in our heart. I don't know if you guys ever had this feeling after you sing great worship like we just sang, and maybe it's here at South Lake or one of the other campuses tuning in or on Daystar, and you get all fired up, your emotions are going, your hands are outstretched. You just feel something burning in your heart. You know, and then you read these verses about miracles and movements, and, and then you look at your life and you're like, what? Something is not connecting here. The dots just, it's amazing power, miracles, and this is like my kids, you know, or school, or just whatever your day-to-day -day routine is. And we're just like, God, we want you. We need you. In fact, we were moved to action by the situations that surrounded us. And that's often what it takes, isn't it? 
It takes a hard situation to wake us up. A couple kids committed suicide on our campus. Drinking was all around us. Students are dropping out of the church, dropping out of school, all kinds of destruction. We said, we gotta get together and pray because it seems like everywhere in God's word, when there's a hard time, people pray and then God moves. It's almost like it's always the lifeline. And so we said, we gotta start praying. We started to come together and pray and say, God, would you change us? You see, we came together to pray for all of them But as we came together to pray for them, we realized that of all the people that needed Jesus on our campus, we were the first ones in line. You see, so often we come and we pray about all those messed up people and God reminds us, no, you are the messed up one because you have the truth and you're doing nothing with it. And before God brings revival to them, he needs to bring revival to me. And as we begin this year, we're saying, God, start here. Move me, God. Don't let me be the same. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of looking back and saying those were the good days in my faith. Those were the moments when God was moving. No, 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 no. Those were great, but this is going to be better. Closer further, more fire, more joy, more vibrancy, more worship. God, we want you. We need you. Friends, we can't afford to say the same. We cannot afford to stay the same. We were praying for our friends, and we were praying for our campus, and we were praying for revival. And we started this thing. We started to get these recipe cards. I brought recipe cards from my mom's house, and I was like, we made them fancy now. We call it Keep Five. But we just had five friends, and we'd come, and we would just pray. We had all been a part of prayer meetings where it was basically a Christian gossip meeting, you know, where you come to pray, and you get around and gossip for like 45 minutes, and then it's like 50 minutes, 55 minutes. It's like, oh, yeah, we got to pray. So then you close and prayer, you know, at the end of your meeting. And we're like, we don't want to do that. Let's just come and we're going to pray. So what we did is we read one chapter from the book of Acts. Then we spent the rest of the time praying. And then by the end of the meeting, we would challenge each other about our five friends. We say, how's it going with your five? How's it going with your five? How's it going with your five? You could not come to the prayer meeting and not talk about your five. Because we all had people in our life that needed Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I need accountability. Because if I'm not held accountable, I will be selfish. And I won't think about anybody but me. We were all praying for five. We were praying for boldness. We were praying for God to move. And there was one girl in our group. Her name was Jenna. And Jenna had three names filled out, two blanks. She's like, guys, I only have three people I know that need Jesus. And she's just feeling so guilty. Like, man, I'm doing something wrong because clearly I'm on a campus with unbelievers. And I only got friends with three of them. And God, I'm just praying that you would show me a couple other people. We lay hands on Jenna. We're praying for God. Would you send her? God, there's people all around. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. God, you've called us. Lord, would you do it? One week, Jenna comes back to prayer. She's like, guys, I think I know what God's called me to do. I think God's called me to get a job as a missionary. We're like, you're going to go be a missionary? She's like, no. She's like, guys, any job is a missionary job. She's like, God, it does, he's like, guys, it doesn't matter what job you have. We're all missionaries wherever we are. We said, that's great, Jenna. We're like, wow, you should, be a, you should talk more. You say good stuff. 
She's a quiet girl. We're like, Jenna, where's God calling you to work? Jenna says, I feel like God's calling me to go work at the Northern. We said, what? No, you're not from North Dakota, so you don't understand the context. But let me just tell you, the Northern is our strip club in Fargo, North Dakota. Now, they often call these places gentlemen's clubs. I don't know why, because there ain't no gentlemen there. But we're like, uh, Jenna, we just, uh, Hosea, uh, Jenna, we're pretty sure God doesn't want you to be a stripper. Jenna's like, no, you guys are idiots. We're like, we know. She says, guys, who is loving those girls? She said, I saw an opening. They need to cook at the Northern. I can cook. We're like, holy. We're like, Jenna, you can't go there. There's sinners there. You can't. Jenna, no. You cannot. Well, you for sure can't tell your parents. We didn't know what to do. So you know what we did? We prayed all the more. In fact, we started moving our prayer meeting to the northern, not inside, outside, outside. Some of you guys know, outside. We started a prayer walk the northern once a week. God, would you move? God, would you move? God, if you're calling Jenna there, make it clear. But Lord, we don't want our sister going into this awful place. One week, we're finally done praying. We're like, God, we're going to pray around this place seven times, God. And we're going to pray that the walls fall down. And God, if the walls don't fall down, we're sending Jenna in. Walls didn't fall down. Jenna went to work at the Northern. She'd come back to our prayer meetings. Man, I tell you, when you are on mission, when you're out of your comfort zone, when you're living a bold life, when you're stepping out in faith, man, there's an urgency in your prayers, isn't there? I mean, you start to need the body. We're coming together and Jenna's coming some weeks just like weeping, like, guys, I can't do it. It's so awful, the things that are happening. And these girls are so broken. Their situations are so hopeless. I want to quit. I just got to get out of there. And we'd be like, Jenna, you can't quit. Jenna, God's called you. God's called you there, Jenna. We're like laying hands on her. We're like, Jenna, look, we all got your schedule on our phones. We're covering you with prayer. Jenna, the spirit is on you. God's moving, Jenna. We're all laying hands and all crying. God, would you do it? You know what started to happen? Those girls started to come to our church services. And those girls started to get saved. You know, we didn't tell them right away, but a little later, we're like, you can't be a stripper anymore. This is sanctification. The clothes stay on. Listen, tonight I want to tell you, I believe this. In 2018, God's call for you is to be bold. Say bold. Say bold. Say bold. Now I was thinking about this. Often we think of boldness as it relates to leadership. Boldness is not leadership. Okay? Boldness is not strength. We think, oh, that person's bold. Pastor Robert, he's bold. Or Billy Graham, he's bold. Or this person's bold. We think, oh, these big people are bold. 
No, 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 no. Boldness is not limited to impressive people. Boldness is what God's people look like when the Holy Spirit indwells them and they begin to take that step of faith. Now we're calling a generation, I got a ladder up here, and kind of our our slogan this year is move closer. We're calling a generation to move closer. We've been saying, man, we want students sharing their faith and we want students being disciples of Jesus. We want to move closer to Jesus. We started to think about this. You know, faith is this all-in journey. I got a ladder. Any of you guys ever climbed a ladder? I think most of us have. My little boy, he's five, learning how to climb. I'm trying to teach him. I say, true it. When you climb a ladder, you got to have both feet on and both hands on. How many of you guys know you don't climb a ladder like this? Does not work well. Some people, though, young people are like, they think faith is like, you know, Sunday, Friday. No. You see, faith is an all-in journey. It's moving closer. And man, each step is scary. Each one of us are at a different place. None of us are more important. None of us are better. God doesn't have favorites. He loves you. He calls you. He wants to use you. His call for you is to move closer. You say, oh God, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it, God, but I'm going to trust in you. Instead of in my flesh, I'm going to take that next step. And I'm going to take that next step. It's moving closer. But see, here's the thing about moving closer to Jesus. Every step closer in faith is a step closer to people who need Jesus. They aren't two different steps. You don't move closer to Jesus one day and then move closer to people who need Jesus the next day. No, every step closer to Jesus is a step closer to the people who need him because that's where Jesus is. You see, some Christians think, no, 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 no. I'm not one of those evangelist people that share their faith. I'm not one of those people that goes out and talks to other people. No, 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 no. That's for pastors and professional Christians. No, listen. Matthew 28, Jesus gave us the great commission. It's not called the good suggestion. Right? Jesus did not say, if you feel like it. No, Jesus said, hey, I want you to follow me. You don't even need to focus on sharing your faith and doing, doing, doing. You just need to focus on following Jesus. Are you following Jesus? That is the question, the ultimate question for all of us. You see, boldness, if I was to give a definition, I'm going to throw it up. Boldness is a willingness to take risks and to try something new. It's a willingness to take risks and try something new. And let me just tell you this as it relates to boldness. Let me just say this. God's best is not limited to a few people. God's best is limited to those who are willing, say willing, willing to be bold. And you guys have that grandma or auntie, nobody knew who they were, but man, they had fire. Man, if you get my mom praying for you, you better watch out. The thunder is coming. Nobody knows their name, but man, there's power. Let me tell you, boldness is what spirit-filled life looks like. Boldness is what a spirit-filled life looks like. Let's go back to Luke 
chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. Let me just stop one second, Luke 11. The disciples come to Jesus one time in the gospels and they ask him to teach them to do something. Only one time they ask him to teach us to do this. Think of all the awesome things Jesus did. Just think, what would you ask Jesus? Teach me this thing. Like, Jesus, would you teach me to do the bread and fish thing? Jesus, would you teach me that whole raising the dead thing? Come on. Every college campus I'm on, it's always the same. Jesus, would you teach us that water to wine? Come on. It'd be the life of every party. Yo, what up? Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. But the disciples see Jesus, the fuel behind his life is his intimacy with the Father, is his prayer life, is his connection, is that, I don't know what it is, but they said, Lord, would you teach us to what? To pray. Jesus says, okay, I'll teach you to pray. And he gives us three points. Three points in Matthew, or Luke 11, verse nine. He says to ask, to seek, and to knock. And I just added, ask boldly, seek boldly, knock boldly. In 2018, God is calling you to be bold. God is inviting you to be bold. God is inviting you, 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 you on the video, you on your laptop, you overseas. He is inviting you. This isn't a message for them. This is for you. This is for me to be bold. It's gonna look different for all of us, but the beauty of it being different for all of us is that this is about you and I taking ground. Man, I'm sick and tired of the church being so focused on playing defense. We are so worried about what they are doing. Oh, we gotta play safe. We gotta be careful. Oh no, they're doing, have you heard their music? Have you watched their movies? Oh my goodness, it's so scary. Have we forgotten the God that we serve? Man, it is time to start playing offense. It is time to take ground. It is time for a church that is full of the Holy Spirit and is willing to step out in faith. We gotta be bold. Hebrews 11 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. I would say without boldness, it is impossible to please God. It's not normal. It's not easy. It's not safe. But this is God's call for you. He wants you to get uncomfortable. He's calling you to get to that place where you need Jesus. He's calling you to get to that place where the only explanation is that was God. Man, how often has somebody said to you, man, you are too bold. You know what your problem is? You're too bold. If that's what people are telling you, this message isn't for you. You maybe need to turn it down a notch. Put the shofar away. Listen, our problem, most of us, isn't that we're too bold, it's that we're too safe. We're too conservative, we're too boring, we're too cheap. We nickel and dime God. We throw our treasure to everything else. 
Young people always say, man, Nick, Christianity's boring. Christianity's boring, Nick. What are you doing over there? That's boring. I said, man, come on. Have you read your Bible? Christianity is not boring. Your church might be boring. Your parents, they're probably boring. But Jesus is not boring. Do you think the disciples were hanging around with Jesus? Oh, fed 5,000, boring. <laughs> Lazarus raised from the dead, so boring. They're gonna kill us, boring. This is not boring. The Bible is not boring. The Bible is full of radical people who actually were ordinary people, who actually were messed up people, who actually were pretty cowardly people, but they stepped out in faith. Hey, Noah, go build a boat. Doesn't rain for 40 years. That's crazy. Hey, Joshua, go march around that city. That is nuts. Hey, Abraham, at 70 years old, I want you to leave everything and go to the place I will show you later. Can you imagine if your auntie, uncle, grandpa, or grandma called you up in service, you pick up the phone, you go out the back, pick up the phone, you say, auntie, what's going on? Ah, I heard a voice. What did it say, uncle? It said to leave everything and go to the place I'll show you later. We would put them in a home. But in the Bible, that's faith. I mean, it's not that something was wrong then. Something is wrong now. Like that our first instinct is that's crazy. That's something wrong with us. No, like if your uncle calls you, if your auntie calls you and says, I think I'm supposed to sell it all and go overseas and spend the rest of my days giving my life for the gospel, we should not think nut, nutty, nut, nut, nut. That should not be what we think. We should be thinking, man, how is this ever logical apart from the spirit of God? Who in their right mind would ever do that unless God is doing something? Man, young people are saying Christianity's boring. Man, we're nickel and diamond. And man, we got all this stuff. And we're just kind of like, hey, there you go, God. There you go. I'm going all in. Let's do it big. We're going to do it. This is mine. Listen, I'm telling you, God owns all the nickels. And it's time for a church to be like, man, God. God. God, we, listen, I'm just telling you guys, we cannot afford to play it safe. Safe is what got us here. Jesus says, look, you want to know how to pray? I want to show you how to pray. I want to throw this quote up by Francis Schaeffer says this, one of the greatest injustices we do to our young people is to ask them to be conservative. Christianity is not conservative, but revolutionary. He wasn't talking about politics, by the way. 
Christianity is about being all in. Some people see what we're doing at Pulse. I mean, we're almost going broke every week. Literally, we're like, man, we're going to book the stadium. You know where the Super Bowl is in February? We have that stadium booked in May. We want to fill it with young people who need Jesus. We don't have the money for it. We don't know how it's going to happen. But you know what? We believe that the message of Jesus belongs on the biggest stages in the world. And we want to grab the attention of this generation. You know what people say? People say that's radical faith. That's radical Christianity. No, 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 that's biblical Christianity. This is not radical Christianity. Question is, are we following Jesus? Luke 11, Jesus says, this is what prayer looks like. This is what boldness looks like. He says, ask, ask. He says, you want to know what prayer looks like? You got to think of this, this guy. Think about if you have a friend. Anybody, can, can you imagine if you have a friend? Anybody, can you imagine having a friend? If you can't imagine that, then come talk to me afterwards and we'll be besties, okay? But Jesus says, you want to know how to pray? I want to tell you a story about prayer. Imagine a person who has somebody come over to their house and they don't have food to offer them. Now, if you're a type A organized person, like you're like, I can't even imagine it because I'd have to have everything ready. Me, I'd be like, what? You know, dominoes, you know, it's no big deal. But they didn't have dominoes back then. And Jesus is like, man, somebody comes to your house, middle of the night, asking for, for you to take them in. You take them in, but you need food to offer them because that was the cultural thing to do. So he says you do three things. Number one, you ask. Say ask. If you have something in your life that you know is in accordance with the will of God, then your biblical mandate is to bring it before God in prayer. Say, God, I need your help here. My nephew, my son, my daughter, my friend, my family member, they need Jesus and God, I need your help. God, this job situation, I need your help. God, my faith, Lord, I feel you calling me to take that next step, God, and I'm terrified, so would you help me? The first step is to ask, say it again, say ask. But some people stop there. We stay right on our asks. We don't even move. We don't even move. Just ask, 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 ask. Jesus, don't just ask. You gotta seek. You gotta seek. In fact, in James, it says, when you ask, you gotta believe and not doubt. Again, if I'm coming in accordance with what I know is God's heart, I come with boldness and say, God, my city needs Jesus, God, and this isn't just my problem. This is your problem, God. This is your name on the line. He says, ask for it, then seek it out. So you need food, you start to seek. Man, where can I get food? Domino's is closed. The grocery store's closed. Whataburger's closed. What am I gonna do? Start seeking it out, seeking it out, seeking it out. Man, seeking, I mean, that's praying, that's fasting, that's getting in God's word. It's seeking out his heart. How many of you guys know seeking can be hard? Seeking can be a hard place. You might be seeking for some time, but man, I want to tell you that God is worth the journey. That God is worth the pursuit. God is worth it all. And man, you say in that place, you're like, God, I don't want to just ask for it. God, I want to put feet to these prayers and I want to seek it out. Jesus says, don't just ask for it. 
Don't just seek for it. He says, you gotta knock for it. Now knocking is when it gets personal. That means there's a door. That means it's involving somebody else. Jesus says, when you come, knowing that you're according to God's will, come as somebody who is wanting food in the middle of the night. Now, Jesus says in the middle of the night is trying to get kind of a radical response, right? They didn't have electricity. They didn't have any middle of the night. This is the middle of the night. People are sleeping in the middle of the night, right? Imagine somebody coming to your house at midnight at one in the morning. Now, again, when I talk to college kids, I have to change this up because if I say midnight or 1 a.m. to them, they're like, what's the big deal? I'm playing video games. Ramen is in the cupboard. No, no, I gotta say to them, imagine somebody coming to your house at 6 a.m., right? And they're like, no, they wouldn't dare, never. But Jesus is trying to drive home a point. You ask for it and you seek it out, no matter how crazy it seems. This is the widow in Luke 18. This is the stories of people saying, give me justice, give me a miracle. God, save my city. You stand at that door and you knock. Jesus says it's not because of friendship that the person will open the door. Even if I'm at Pastor Robert's store and he knows me and I show up at one in the morning, he's like, Nick, Number one, I don't think I'm going to have you preach again. And number two, you know, you're nuts. He's like, Nick, get out of here. Come on. I don't want to call the cops. But Jesus says, listen, if you're coming for something that you know is on the heart of God, then you come and you don't leave that door. You say, I'm not leaving this door. I'm not going to stop knocking until you open this door. I'm not going to give up because I know that you want my generation to know you. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. Listen, you are not too old. You are not too young. You are not too inexperienced. You are not too short, too fat, too poor, too weak, too sick, or too lost. To those that feel too old, look at Abraham. To those that feel too young, look at Timothy. To those who feel too experienced, look at the disciples. To those who feel too short, Zacchaeus. To poor, the widow's might. Too weak, the boy with the fish and loaves. Too far gone, the demon-possessed man. Too unworthy, Rahab. Too sick, the woman with bleeding. Listen, listen. Stop living by your limitation and start living in God's revelation. This is not about you. This is not about you. This is about him. This is about his agenda, his mission, his calling. This is about taking that ground, taking that step, saying, God, I wanna trust you for my neighborhood. God, I wanna trust you for my family, God. Lord, I wanna know you more, God. I'm gonna get in your word, God, I'm gonna pray. God, I'm gonna seek you, God. Lord, don't let me settle. Don't let me settle. It's taking it step by step by step. And listen, I don't want you to miss this tonight. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you, hey guys, you got to try harder. You got to be better. You got to be more spiritual. That is not what I'm saying. 
What I'm saying tonight is that there is a God in heaven who sees you right where you are. And he loves you just as you are. And he knows you just as you are. He knows about your addiction. He knows about your sin. He knows about that hidden part of your life. He knows about the regret you carry with you. He knows about the pain and the feeling as if God can use everybody else but not me. You feel like you keep getting passed over. Listen, this is not a message for everybody else. This is a message for you. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus, he sees you in your point of need. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus lived the life we couldn't live and he died the death that we deserved on that cross. And he conquered your sin, your death, your guilt, your pain, and Jesus is alive tonight. Does anybody believe that in this place? And he promises us the Holy Spirit to anyone who would call out to him and tonight, God leaves heaven once again through his spirit and will meet you right where you are. If you'll just cry out to him, his boldness, his fire is for you. This isn't about you trying harder to be bold. This is about you surrendering to the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that transformed those cowardly disciples and turn them into the soldiers that change the world. Bow your heads with me right now. I'm gonna invite the campus pastors to come up wherever we are. Right now as we pray, if you're here and you believe that you need a fresh start this year, you need boldness in your life, I want you to stand right where you are. You're just saying, man, I don't wanna keep going this way. I want Jesus, I wanna be stepping out. I wanna take that leap. I wanna know you, God. I don't want a nickel and diamond anymore. God, I'm all in. Right now, you stand where you are, if that's you, just as a sign of saying, God, first things first, God, my heart is yours. Jesus, we love you. We need you. We surrender to you. We believe you died on the cross for us. God, would you forgive us of any sin, of any double-mindedness, God, of any secret lives. God, we repent in the name of Jesus. We believe you died on the cross, you rose from the grave, and we're inviting you to fill us with your spirit of power and boldness and that you would propel us forward into that next step, that next future. God, that we would take ground with you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.